Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Juliet Schooling-Latter and today I'm joined by Rosemary Banyard, Manager of the Downing Unique Opportunities Fund. Rosemary, can you tell us a bit about the fund and what you look for in, in an investment? Yes, uh, thank you. Um, so the fund uh, is quite concentrated. Um, it's uh, going to hold between 25 and 40 uh, individual um, holdings, um, and it currently has um, uh, 28. Uh, it's uh, going to be investing in UK equities, uh, and it can invest across all sizes of company, uh, and including the, the AIM market. Uh, but my so, uh, area of competence is um, small caps and mid caps, so um, most of the investments will be uh, in that, that sort of area. Uh, and um, the thing I'm looking for is, um, well, the clue is in the title. So um, downing unique opportunities, unique um, is the word. And so I'm looking to invest in businesses which they might be the only one that's listed in the UK, or there might be just a couple, typically, that do what they do. Um, very occasionally, you might have a, a business where there are several in the industry listed, but then the business I invest in will be very distinctive in its strategy and culture. So uh, these businesses are intentionally, I'm seeking out uh, companies that are unique and that have very high returns on equity capital. So um, I'm an equity investor and I'm interested in businesses that can sustain very good profits on the capital that they've got because that usually suggests that they've got something very special about them that keeps out the competition and that's what I really like. All right, thank you. Um, and your fund launched on the 17th of March, which was in the midst of uh, one of the fastest sort of stock market falls in history, which must have been rather a baptism of fire. Um, how did you go about allocating money to stocks? Uh, did you have a list of companies that you'd identified and did any of them change at the last minute? Yeah, so uh, you're quite right. It was a uh, Right into the middle of the stock markets, uh, free fall when the, when the fund launched. Uh, you don't have a, a precise say on when a fund launches because it takes several weeks to go through the regulatory process. So you know it, it, um, it started through that process in January, and um, you know then we found ourselves in the middle of March, and um, and off and, and off we went, um, and. It was certainly a little unnerving uh, initially. I think I think the market maybe bottomed about a week or ten days after the launch. So I did go carefully, uh, but it was fairly clear that the companies I wanted to invest in were trading at um, you know very attractive valuations at that point. Um, when you go through the regulatory process pre-launch, you put together a model portfolio for the FCA. Um, and I actually um, pretty much have stuck to that. Um, I've added, I think, two um, companies um, 
since launch, which weren't in the model portfolio, and they're just new ideas. Um, but everything else in the fund was in that model portfolio. So I haven't done anything differently from what I always intended. Um, but I did um, take my time uh, to uh, build up the positions. Um, I took only two um, companies into the fund which had placings. A lot of companies ra- needed to raise money in April and May uh, because of the uh, sudden and damaging effects of the of the pandemic and the lockdown. Um, and I had two in the in the portfolio which which both raised a five percent placing, which is pretty minimal. Um, but other than that, they were all very well financed businesses with very strong balance sheets, and uh, they uh, did. Uh, they haven't needed to raise money. Um, twenty three out of the twenty eight companies had no debt at all, so they're very robust. Right, and do you, am I right in thinking that you still have got quite a lot of cash in the portfolio? Is that right? Sort of about nineteen percent. Um, uh, yes. So uh, you've got six months uh, under the rules to uh, become what's termed fully invested, which means to have no more than 20% uh, cash. Um, and as I say, I, t- I've, I took my time and was um, careful. Um, and cash is, is in the 15 to 20% range now, and it varies day to day because um, I'm seeing um, daily inflows of money. Uh, and so, you know, some days I'll invest more than others. And um, so, you know, that that's roughly the range. Now, um, my, my history is that I tend to hold a bit of cash always, um, but m- more likely the 5 to 10% range. And that's um, in order to have a little bit of firepower if something suddenly becomes available that's very attractively priced and I want to nip in there and take advantage. Um, so there's a, the, the cash level is a little elevated, um, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't read too much into that. That's, that's just okay. me sort of continuing to build up um, holdings. So that's not because you've got sort of concerns about, you know, valuations and the, you know, the immediate outlook for equities at the moment. Uh, well, I'm I'm quite clear that I don't attempt to forecast macro, uh, that I don't invest with any macro view. I am very much investing in individual businesses that I think are going to deliver, you know, significant and above average growth over the long term. Uh, so I'm not attempting to sort of second guess the macro or or indeed the level of, a, of stock markets. The, the one thing I would say is if, if something is, um, uh, if, a, if a, a company's shares are trading significantly, and I mean sort of 25, 30% above what I consider their intrinsic value, um, I might try and hold off um, adding to a holding and, and add to something different uh, that's trading, you know, closer to fair value so you know I, I i will perhaps tactically buy certain things and not other things for a while but that's as that's about as as um as strategic as i get yeah well i know you've got a lot of experience because um uh you've got sort of uh, 30 years of experience in this industry so um you've obviously been through uh several stock market crises um 
has that sort of helped you in the, in the past few months um, with, with the recent crisis? Um, I, I hope so. Um, I think every crisis is is individual in its own way. They're, they're never exactly the same. Uh, but I would say that in every crisis, having majority of companies with without much debt is hugely helpful. So there's nothing like having a lot of debt to destroy the value of um, of equity of, of 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 the shares uh, in a crisis. It's always um, wise to remember that. Um, but no, I think. Um, I think it helps one not to panic, but the, 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 the interesting thing is, so I, you know, I do a prepare a model for every company I, I own and I forecast forward the, the sales and the profits and the cash flow. And then I discount that back to get to a value. That's how I value businesses. Um, and what you find is if you put into the model one bad year, uh, one really bad year, it actually doesn't change the valuation of a business that much because a lot of the value of a business is in the long-term prospects. Um, and so, yeah, it's worth bearing that in mind that one bad year doesn't, you know, it doesn't destroy the value of a good business. Mm, that's interesting. Um, and I know the fund doesn't look for companies uh, specifically paying a dividend, but you hold um, Games Workshop which is um, one of the few companies that's maintained its dividend payout this year. Uh, I just wonder if you could tell us a bit about why you like this company uh, and how's the dividend managed to hold up? Yeah, uh, so you're right. I don't specifically uh, target uh, dividend payers, but companies that have got no debt and high returns typically generate lots of cash, and so they usually are good at paying dividends that grow over time. So, you know, I have been historically and expect in the future to see dividend growth being good. Um, Games Workshop's interesting. I've known it since it came to the stock market, which is, you know, well, certainly over 20 years ago. Um, It's uh, a business that pays out dividends from its surplus capital. So, when it's done all its investing in uh, its factories and in its um, uh, licensing and its uh, research and development, um, it, anything that's left over, it will distribute as dividends. And I view that as a very healthy attitude to dividends. Um, Games Workshop, um, you know, many people will know it because it's, it's got the high street presence under the Warhammer brand. And um, put simply, it's making fantasy toy soldiers, which are used to uh, play fantasy um, games. Uh, and it's it's a it's a quite a um, attractive hobby. Uh, people who get into it really get into it. They collect armies, they paint them. You know, it, it's quite a. If you're into it, it's an absorbing hobby. Um, and um, that's. Uh, you know that we almost might dare to call it an addiction or you know a hobby doesn't change with uh, lockdown in fact you know one, one might one might take the view that it's you know 
something that you know has some some kids perhaps have had more time to play. Um, but the, the the thing that's very interesting about Games Workshop is it's starting to develop its licensing of its intellectual property. Um, and uh, it, it, what's interesting is that the um, uh, license income, the royalty income, uh, in the in the results to May 2020 was almost 20% of profits. Um, and, uh, you know, that's significantly up on the year before. And they're talking about um, the fact that they've got over 70 licenses now and that they're adding licenses every two or three months. And they're also talking about talking to licensees in China, which, of course, would be a, a huge market. Mm. So I think we can expect to see that royalty income growing significantly over time and it's highly profitable it's almost pure profit when you when you give someone um a license uh, you, you don't have the manufacturing cost attached so i, I you know i think that's what, what we're watching for right um and I, I noticed that you hold um a couple of other stocks uh, that supply the uk government um, Kanos, which delivers uh, digital systems for online transactions, and Softcat, which supplies IT equipment. Um, is that a deliberate move? Uh, you know, is the government a more stable customer? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I, I mean, I think the government clearly is a more stable customer in these times. Um, it's not specifically why I... Um, own stakes in those two businesses. Um, I mean, if we talk about Kanos, um, it's um, helping the UK government to digitalise its services to citizens. So uh, certain things that would have been paper-based in the past, Kanos have helped to make them an online process. So think your passport application uh, or uh, when you have your car Uh, having an MOT, Um, the garage now um, uh, records that online and sends it to the DVLA. Uh, And um, unless you particularly want it, you don't get that piece of paper that you used to have to take to the post office every year with that MOT test result on. That's all digital now. So that's what Kanos do. It's a huge growth area. Uh, the, uh, The benchmark... Uh, for that is, would you believe, Estonia, uh, where um, 99% of state services are online. Uh, that's because Estonia completely redesigned its whole government systems when it uh, left the, uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, and um, uh, you know, so e-Estonia is, is is a big thing. So that's the potential that all government services will be online. Kanos is a leading player. Uh, and it's not just the potential in the UK. Um, it's also uh, in other countries. So Canada is looking at our online passport application service. Uh, and so maybe we will see um developments in uh, you know other countries um using kanos as well so yes it's government but it's more the potential for digitalization which interests me um and softcat really the same um 
uh, it's it's a very cash generative company. It's supplying not not just um, you know laptops, um, but all, all manner of computing to companies and government. And with that comes quite a lot of technical knowledge and advice. Uh, and um, you know, it's one of the uh, two listed players in the UK that do that. So again, coming back to where we started, the the uniqueness of the investment opportunity there. That's great. Interesting stuff. Rosemary, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you. If you'd like more information about Downing Unique Opportunities, please visit fundcaliber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please note that these are unprecedented times and markets can react very quickly to news. The views expressed are at the time of recording and could change And remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening.